And thank you for joining us today for the teaching and preaching ministry from Central Baptist Church in Kannapolis, North Carolina. As associate pastor, Barry Murray shares from the Bible how to live in a fallen world. The goal of Central Baptist Church is to change the world by teaching the Word of God. Come, let's listen in. For that, Proverbs chapter 30, if you would, Proverbs chapter 30 this evening. And uh, I know many of you don't know this, but as of uh, 7, 10 tonight, I'm going on vacation. So uh, that gives you an indication when we're done today, it'll be at least by 7, 10, if not sooner. Some are wishing sooner, and, uh, but old men tell more stories now than they used to tell. Amen. And uh, so we'll see. I see you all time me. And uh, we'll see, but you know me, if you stick around, I get to the point, I get done, I get in the mud, and I get out. That's usually my MO. And uh, I make the hit and the hit, hits, and I get out of the way. But I want to, this is very different. This is a new sermon for me. I've never preached anything like this, if you would, in the way it's laid out. It's not usually my, my forte uh, of uh, sermons and outlines, but I think it would be very helpful to you. I began looking at this about a month ago after the last time I preached Sunday evening, and I began talk, thinking about this thought here, and what can I say and not say? And uh, I think it'll be very interesting and very helpful. Uh, so let's stand to our feet as usual. And we're going to read just verses 18 through 20. Proverbs 30, verses 18 through 20. Uh, there will be three things which are too wonderful for me, yea, four which I know not. And I like these things. The way of an eagle in the air, the way of a serpent upon a rock, the way of a ship in the midst of the sea, and the way of a man with a maid. You ever watched a, a boy fall in love with a girl? It is the cutest thing in all the world. And now I'm noticing that I see old men doing the exact same thing all over again. You'd have thought you learned when you were younger that don't do that. Just because you're 80 now doesn't, doesn't mean you gotta chase after like she's a teenager, amen? It's amazing how things change. But verse 20, such is the way of an adulterous woman. She eateth and wipeth her mouth and saith, I have done no wickedness. This is some lady who's living in sin, if you would, just a picture of it. And she says at the end of the day, I'm not doing anything wrong. Everything's okay with me. Everything's all right. Thank you, Lord, for your word this evening. We ask you, please, Lord, first of all, give me clarity of what needs to be said and not to be said. And, Lord, it is a, a good time, I think, and I know my life, my wife's life, that we're now to a place where we can reminisce of things of this church and how we've enjoyed being here and serving here for these years. And we thank you for the opportunity to preach tonight. We ask you to bless now this message. Give us all listening ears and listening heart in the name I pray tonight. Amen. The writer of this psalm, Agar, really said something here that, that I'm, living, I'm living this out right now in my age is uh, there's some things I don't understand. How many of you agree with me that there are things going on around us that we just don't understand? We just don't understand. And I, I can have every one of you come up here and you give me something that you just say, I just don't understand. But since I'm the guy with the microphone tonight, I get to get it off my chest, things I just don't understand uh, tonight. It, it, from uh, uh, my viewpoint, uh, years in the ministry, my age and those things. Now, first of all, let me say this. I am no way propagating a change of things. I am no way propagating a message tonight where I'm jumping on you about something. I'm just telling you some things that I just don't understand. 
where I'm at in life. As an older man, there's just some things I don't understand. I don't understand why people drive in the fast lane doing 20 miles an hour. I don't understand. I don't understand well, when you have a turn signal in your vehicle, why you don't use it. Or you use it after you've already hit the brake and you're ready to turn. I, I, I told my wife the other day, people drive like they have no idea where they're going. You ever notice that? Years ago, our daughter went to college in California, uh, up in uh, Santa Clara, California, and we would go out there and visit her three or four times. We were out there visiting, and we went down to San Francisco a couple times. And I'm going to tell you, five, six lanes of traffic all going the same way, and all of a sudden, you're over here doing 80 mile an hour, and that guy's way over there all of a sudden getting off. I mean, within a matter of yards. I said, like, you don't know where you're going. And I believe people have an idea. They have no idea where they're going anymore in life. I think even more so, more, more serious, as an older man, I see a lack of manhood amongst men. Sorry, I can't leave that there. It's going to bother me. The manhood of men anymore, is, to me, is I don't understand why there isn't some. I don't understand why we're not as honest as we should be. I don't understand why we uh, don't stand for right in our homes anymore. Why, why aren't we standing for what's right? What comes in the doors and out of the doors of your home? Why are we allowing the children to run the zoo? I have a hard, hard time with that. We've allowed our society to dictate how we raise our children, and it's totally wrong, by the way. I don't understand why we confront issues or we do, don't do it with respect. There's nothing wrong with confronting issues as long as you do it respectfully and graciously and courteously, but we don't do that. We'd rather, we'd rather write about you somewhere on the media. We'd rather write something about you uh, when you can't really attack us. Coward. That I got a person doesn't sign their name to things, things like that. I wonder what, I can't understand why we used to trade with a handshake. Now you don't want to trade anything unless you've got a lawyer involved and you've got 90 pages of legal stuff to keep you up. And you still, and you still can lose. <laughs> As an older man, I, 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 I have trouble with this, our appearance. Uh, and, it, and, I, and these are things I just don't understand. I didn't have a dad in my home that to, as I was being raised up. I, I didn't have a dad say, this is what you got to look like. This is what you got to do. My dad was sick for the four or five years. I remember of, he could influence me. Then he died. And I didn't really have that influence. But as I grew older, I had men that I, I watched and I saw. So this is how a man looks. This is how a man talks. This is how he dresses. This is how he acts. That's a man. I don't understand what happened to that. I'm just saying I don't understand. I'm not preaching against it. I'm just saying I don't understand what happened to it. Uh, and anyhow, I have a lot of personal things. I'm not going to go into those. I don't understand today why we can't agree to disagree and still respect each other. Preachers are the worst haters in the world. And because they think they're behind a pulpit preaching God's word, they can just rip up another church and preacher with, without any regard of what they're saying, what they're doing. A preacher, I want you to tell you something. That same spirit comes down to your people. Be careful what you say. Instead of ripping uh, other 
Bible preachers, we ought to be ripping the Satan who's controlling what's happening in our world and what's happening. But we, and I believe uh, we've lost the battle of our churches because we've lost the battle within. I don't understand that, but that's me. And I could be wrong, that's fine. I've been wrong, I will be wrong. As a man, I don't have a hard time understanding why we, how we treat ladies. How we treat ladies. A lady should never be intimidated in your presence, man. In fact, they ought to feel respected and special when you're around. But I don't understand that. See, you got real quiet all of a sudden. I'm doing this to get your attention for the other part coming up, all right? And as a man, I, I, and, I, and I know I'm, I'm, this is really treading water here, the disrespect we have for our leaders. The disrespect we have for our leaders. And I battled it, and you battled it, but our president is a president. It's not some guy's name. Right? And by looking on your face, Mitch is saying, he's talking Greek to us. I know I am, because we've lost respect for the name. That's me as a man. Uh, have, I, have I called the president by his name? Yes. Should I? Probably not. Why? I think it's respect for the, the position that he holds. Not necessarily the person, but the position that he holds. Leaders that we have. And, and oh, again, authority. And I know these are things that I just don't understand today. Let's get more spiritual. How's that? As a Christ follower, not a Christian a Christ follower, there are some things I don't understand. I don't understand the lack of dedication that we have for the Lord Jesus Christ today. As a preacher for all the years I've seen come and go, I don't understand the loss of respect for the church, for the services of our church, for weddings, for funerals, for the preaching of the Word of God. Uh, I don't understand the loss of respect for preachers. While I understand there are preachers who have done wrong and done immoral things and done things they shouldn't have done, I understand that at the same time, most preachers have not done that. We should not cast a cloud on the others. As a preacher, a Christian for many years, a Christ-like person, I, I have a hard time understanding the hypocritical disdain that God's people have for each other. The gossip and the busybodiness and the, see, this is where we live at. This is the sin we battle. That's why we don't want to hear about it. And the gossip and the busybody and, and uh, you didn't know you was going to meddle tonight, did you? And, uh, and the action, I don't understand it, even though it's been going on for a long time. I don't understand the lack of concern for truth. And I mentioned in my class this morning, do you realize every sermon you've heard, every time you've opened the Bible for yourself, and everything you've learned from God's Word, you are accountable for that. Right. I don't understand how we just go on our life flippantly, even though we all know better. Did your mom ever tell you you know better? We no longer feel responsible for our actions or our lack of actions. We don't, I don't understand these things, and, and I'm not here to change them. I'm not here to preach about them. I'm not here to change what's going on. I'm just telling you things I don't understand, like the writer here. I don't understand uh, what's happened to our churches and our stand is we've watered down sin. We've watered down the penalty of sin. Our churches and preachers have changed their message so they can keep a paycheck. And we're losing the battle. I don't understand that. I don't have an answer for it. I don't know what to do about it. I just don't understand that. Again, I don't understand these things. Now that I have your attention, you may listen for the next hour and a half.
Is that right? <laughs> I got the no. Okay, I'm, I'm going to. All right, let me give you a story. Girl. Those are just things I understand. Listen, I'm not mad. I'm not critical. I'm not trying to change anything. Pastor can do what he wants to do. He can fire me when we're all done, whatever. I'm just giving you things I don't understand. Okay, here's a story. Park ranger's out one day doing his business in the woods, and he runs across a man who's living in an unkept camp. As he gets to the camp there, he's looking around, and he sees this man sitting there by the fire, and he's eating a fish and a bald eagle. The park ranger does his job, and immediately, uh, immediately arrests this man. He takes him off to jail. This man goes to trial. He's standing before the judge, and the judge says, well, what's your story? What are you doing out there in the middle of the woods, nowhere in this camp all by yourself, eating a fish and a bald eagle? And the man said to the judge, well, let me tell you what happened. He said, I got lost in the woods, hadn't anything to eat for two or three weeks. And the man explained, I was so hungry, I was eating plants to stay alive. The next thing I saw is a bald eagle swooping down to the lake, grabbing some fish. I thought, if I could start an eagle, maybe I could steal the fish from him. So I threw a stone toward the bald eagle, hoping he would drop the fish and fly away. He landed not too far from me on a tree stump to eat it. Unfortunately, when I threw the rock in my weak condition, I hit the eagle squarely on the head and it killed it. So, I, so to be not so disgraceful, I took and I cooked up the eagle and I cooked up the fish and I ate them all and that's what happened. The judge stepped away from his bench for 15 minutes or so, came back and, and uh, his decision was this. He said, due to the extreme circumstances you were under because you didn't intend to kill the eagle, the court's going to dismiss your charges. The judge then leans over the bench and whispers to the man, if you don't mind me asking, what does a bald eagle, bald eagle taste like? <laughs> well, Your Honor, it's hard to explain. The best I can describe is it's a bit more tender than a California condor but it lacked the tang of a spotted owl. <laughs> All right, I got, I got my preaching off my chest. I got my joke out. Let's get to the message. Let's get to Proverbs 18 here, and we'll get, we'll get out quickly. I want to use the eagle illustration this, tonight for the message. It's recorded not long after the disciples have all passed away, their ministries were all passed, that preachers and teachers begin to try to take some of these scriptures and they would try to, uh, if you would, prof make a profound meaning to them. Or maybe a term today would be trying to spiritualize everything in scripture. I do believe there are many scriptures that have spiritual implications to them, but I do also believe that most of the Bible is not all spiritual underneath underlying meaning. I believe the Bible says what it says and it means what it says and I'm to live as it says. I'm not trying to find some reason why I should or shouldn't or what some deeper meaning is, some deeper spiritual thing is about that. But there were people even after in the early church that were trying to do that. In fact, they said that uh, in Proverbs, they said this. They said, uh, the serpent on the rock, as we read here, speaks about God's victory over Satan. The way of a ship in the midst of the sea speaks about the mystery of God's preservation of his people down through the centuries. And the way with a, a man with a maid spoke of the mystery of Christ's relationship with the church. 
And that may sound good and spiritual and great, greatly profound, but when you apply that to verse number 20, you're, you're in trouble. Because verse number 20 has nothing to do with those spiritual applications whatsoever. It talks about a woman who's living a life of a, of a harlot, and she thinks what she's doing is okay. So, so that kind of dispels the story there. But there is something there I want to learn from this story tonight. I want to talk about this. I want to talk about the way of the eagle in the sky. And I've never, ever preached anything like this before. I hope it goes well so I can continue preaching. But, uh, but have you ever thought and watched an eagle in the air? I got four points here I want to give you about this eagle, and I want to, I want to apply some things to us as, as a, a Christ followers tonight. Number one is this. The eagle has to be born an eagle. It's going to be very simple, very basic. The eagle has to be born an eagle. What am I saying? When a crow's born, it, it can't become an eagle. It's a crow. When a canary's born, it's born a canary. It can't become an eagle. And we can never become, uh, we need to become a child of God unless God profoundly changes, uh, until God profoundly changes the way we are for us to be saved. So for us to even follow some of the things we're talking about, we must become a child of God. We must be born again, according to John chapter 3. We must be born again of the Spirit. And the first thing to understand the Christian life is, and the pastor refers to an awful lot, is that there are people that believe they're living in the uh, ways of Christ, but they're not because they're not even born again yet. They're not even born. But an eagle is born as an eagle, just as I need to be born Christ in Christ-likeness. Uh, and uh, as John shared with, with, uh, uh, with Nicodemus, we must be born again. We understand that Sunday night crowd, you got that short point. Number two, I told you we'd be out of here quick. I'm ready to go. I'm, I'm half hour away from vacation time. Number two, the mother eagle will discipline her eaglets. The mother eagle will discipline her eaglets. A mother eagle builds her nest on the face of a cliff. She puts in a safe place for the birds to be nurtured. The eagle's nest is made of, with great skill and great time. It's a very large construction with branches that are intertwined together to make us strong. Uh, the branches are, inter, are, are so intertwined, and then she lines it with feathers and grass to make it soft. She's making a nice home, a place for her children to be hatched. And once the eggs have been laid and hatched, it becomes a mother's eagle's uh, seemingly endless task of going off and delivering food for them and finding food to bring them back. And she continues to take care of them. And, uh, and she's trying to raise her eaglets in the right way and feed them and provide for them. And once the eggs have been laid and hatched, it becomes her job, seemingly endless job, to tend the needs of her babies. She goes back and forth, and every time she returns, she perches on the edge of the nest, and she feeds them one by one. Scientists have done experiments. Why it matters, I don't know, but it is interesting. They've done experiments in that if you would move the eagle, eaglets around in the nest while the mother's gone, the mother eagle knows which bird got fed last and makes sure the one that got fed that hasn't eaten the, 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 the soonest gets fed first. And the mother eagle knows which one's which. And to me, they're all ugly. But the mother eagle knows that as she tends to her little ones. 
She feeds them. She gives them food at all. She nourishes them equally. And one day she'll come back, and, uh, uh, and one day she'll come back and do something different. So they're there for a while. They're, they're, they're hatched. They're being fed. She's taking care of them. And one day she comes back, and all of a sudden she begins to hover over the nest. It's believed, of course, I've often wondered how you tell me what an animal's thinking when you can't talk to them. But scientists are amazing at figuring out why animals do what they do. And she'll hover around the nest and just kind of fly around. And it's believed that while she's doing that, she's showing and telling the eaglets that, that they have wings and they didn't learn how to use those wings. And here's how you use those wings as, they, as she just hovers over the nest. And she's going to descend to the nest and she'll begin to teach little ones how to fly. She'll snuggle up against one and she'll begin to nudge it slightly toward the edge of the nest. And as we all know the story, sooner or later she begins to push them out of the nest. Right? So they'll begin to pull their wings out, flap their wings out, and try to fly. And they put their wings out there. And as we understand, normally they can't fly yet. And she'll swoop down there to where they're at and she'll let them land on her wings and she'll take them back up to the nest. But they got the experience of the roller coaster. What it's going to be like one day to fly. And she begins to nudge them out of the nest and show them how they need to hunt. See, the process is done to every eaglet. And she does this not because she doesn't care for them anymore, but because she does care for them. While the babies feel quite secure and comfortable in the nest, that's not what the mother eagle wants. As long as they're safe and secure, they learn, and they'll never learn to fly, they'll never get out of the nest, they'll never mature, and God sometimes does the same thing to us. Listen, here's the application. God will discipline us for our good not to keep us comfortable. Hebrews 12 talks about the chastening of the Lord. And, have you for, uh, and ye have forgotten the exhortation which speaketh unto you unto my, as my children. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked. Proverbs 3, my son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the, horn lo- who the horn Lord loveth, he correct it. And one of the signs we have as believers is that when God corrects us, we realize, hey, we belong to him. Many years ago, I taught a new converts class at our church, and one of the lessons I taught was a whole lesson on, hey, listen, the very fact that God chastises you proves to you that you belong to him. Because if he didn't chastise you, then you weren't one of his children. And tonight, we need to understand this evening that we see happening, we see things unfolding. I'll go a little deeper here for a second. We see things unfolding in front of us in our churches, in our land, in our country, in our world, where I believe God is slowly edging us to the edge of the nest to push us out for our good. See, we got too comfortable, haven't we? We're comfortable. Yeah, I know the gas price is going up. I got it. Things are going up. I got to tell you what, restaurant Friday night, it was still packed. Gas must not be too high. Right? You still, people still traveling, people still going everywhere. I mean, gas must not be too high. It's just something to complain about. 
And gas, to make gas, gas prices going up is not a discipline from the Lord, by the way. It may be from the president, but not the Lord. All right, and we spent an hour on that. But uh, there's something else I didn't, I didn't say this, but let me say this. As an American, how can you campaign you're going to do this and you go to, to wherever it may be, whether it's a Raleigh or whether it's Washington, D.C., and you do the total opposite? How is that? I don't understand that, by the way. And I don't understand why American people don't rise up and kick them all out and start over again. But that'll never happen. But that, that, my cure is get rid of all of them and start over again. Amen? All for none. Anyhow. But, but the discipline comes, and God's going to chastise us, and God's going to punish us. Doesn't mean he doesn't love us. Doesn't mean he doesn't care about us. But actually, that, that, phrase, that word chastising means child training or discipline. You see, the Lord is disciplining his own children. And if God's not disciplining you and me, what's wrong? What's wrong? What am I doing? What, what's going wrong? Something's wrong. I should be. Discipline should be straightened out. And listen, at the same time he's disciplining us, he's also providing for us. He's also providing for us. And I'll get to another point about that in a second here, about the eagle in our, in our Christian life here. But uh, listen, it, it's part of life is. For whom, the, for, whom the, for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and who scourges every son whom he received. Ye endure the chastening of God, dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the father chastiseth not? If you're not being chastised, you don't have a father. And it's part of it. And the eagles don't fly after this stage, and she moves to the next stage. She then begins to do what happens, and I can testify to this. She be he begins then to make life miserable for the eaglets. Miserable. She begins to take away the soft lining of the nest. She takes away their Mr. Pillow. <laughs> she, she takes away uh, what makes you comfortable. That when they're sitting in a nest, they feel the thorns and the little branches off of the branches, picking them and poking them trying to get them to move on out of the house. How many of you have a 25-year-old in your house you're trying to get rid of? <laughs> the way to do it is get rid of their Mr. Pillow. Get rid of the free ride to the refrigerator, the free car. But anyhow, that's, that would be uncomfortable. We couldn't do that. No, make them uncomfortable. She begins to take away the soft line away the nest. She continues to uh, start and pull the nest apart. It becomes uncomfortable for these, these English, and they realize, listen, we're going to have to take off here. It's getting bad here. We're losing our air conditioning. Gas prices going up. We're going to have to go. She continues until nothing's left of the nest. And Deuteronomy 31 talks about us like eagles that we're going to be stirred up and that, that uh, uh, we're going to hover over our young ones, yes, but we're going to uh, then sooner or later have to catch our wings and fly. And those stages we experience here in the Hebrew children. These, Hebrews and, these Hebrew people and Hebrews were Jewish people who were practicing their religion until they got saved. And they were trying to mix their Judaism with Christianity and they were having a hard time. And Paul's trying to help them understand it. it's going to be uncomfortable. It's not going to be easy. 
There's going to be something to it. And all these stages were experienced by these Hebrew people. This is the way that God works, and he works in that, our life as well. Sometimes God takes our lives, and he, he, it seems like he may cast them away, but what God's doing is kicking us away, removing our securities, and all those things that we count on. God is forcing us out of the nest. Have you been there? But even while he's kicking you out of the nest, God's been good. He still provides. He's still there. Why would he do that? Because he, he, doesn't, because he doesn't care? No, because he does care. It's time for us to grow up and get our wings. He wants us to become what we were meant to be. He has made us to be, uh, has made us to be chickens and turkeys. We're, we're to soar and we're to go do something. Number three, let me say this quickly. Number three is this. Eagles fly differently than other birds. They fly differently than other birds. Many birds fly by flapping their wings uh, through the air, uh, doing furious, furious moments. Uh, I learned a lot about eagles this last couple of weeks. Eagles do, uh, don't do that. They soar. They just put their wings out there, and they soar like an airplane. They lock their wings, and they ride the, the uh, thermals. They ride the wind currents. Uh, they soar up and down with the air uh, with very little movement in their wings at all. He, it gives them, uh, gives them great, it gives them uh, the ability of their wings they are to, they can just soar whatever. And listen, God gives us strength when we're weary that we can soar above what's going on. Even our young people today can get tired and weary, and young men and young women can get tired and weary, and, and our hope in the Lord kind of, uh, we need to renew our strength. What does Isaiah tell us? They that wait upon the Lord shall what? Renew their strength. They shall mount up as eagles. I'm jumping ahead of myself in the sermon here, but listen, our strength comes from the Lord. We need to learn that young. I'm thankful tonight that God, in a young age, kicked me out of a nest. Kicked me out of a nest. I'm glad I had to, uh, I don't mean it had to, but I'm glad I was raised in a situation Dad's sick, mom had to go to work. Uh, I was, I was respond by the time I was 10, I was cleaning the house, washing clothes, making my bed, cleaning my room, being home in time, or I, I got it. You know, you know what I mean by got it? Pastor Dean would say beaten. We don't say it up north because you didn't go to jail. But down here you can say that. But I couldn't say anyhow. But uh, what do you mean? One night I was sound asleep in bed about 10, 30 night. Mom came home from work. I was just a young teenager. She came home from work, and all of a sudden I heard her come up the steps to, the, uh, to our bedrooms. My brother and I said, uh-oh, it's not good. She came up and grabbed us by our ears, drug us back downstairs. She pulled every dish out of the cabinet, and we washed every dish in the kitchen. And she said, I better never see this mess again I saw when I came home night in the kitchen. When you guys go to bed, it better be clean. Oh, she was so abusive. <laughs> Can you believe that she would make us do that? Well, I've got to tell you this. Ask my wife if I still do that. She's happy. She's happy. I'm glad as a child, as a teenager, Spiritually, I had to rely on the Lord. Amen. Amen. 
Look at the face of your dad in the casket at just 15 years of age. People have gone through worse. I'm glad I had to go through that. I'm glad we had, I'm glad now I look back and say, boy, I'm glad I learned. And what was happening? I believe God was kicking me out of the nest. At an earlier age, maybe than needed to be, but that was what God's plan was for me. Maybe not for you, but for me. I'm glad. And, and uh, uh, we fly differently. Uh, listen, we fly different than the world. And the eagle, when the storm comes, you know what an eagle does when a storm comes? He just soars higher. The eagle waits for the storm to get close by, and he gets one of those wind currents, one of those thermals, and he just raises himself up above the storm, and he stays above the storm just soaring around while the storm's going on below him. And dear Christian friend tonight, the storms are not going to go away. They are going to come. And what we need to do is learn how to soar above the storm while it rages below us, while it's going on. It rides the wind until the storm is gone. And as I mentioned already, Isaiah 40 talks about us, that we should mount up as wings as eagles. He says, we are blessed with a gift from God that enables us to ride on wings and winds above the storm. And listen, storm's coming, tragedy's coming, failure's coming, disappointment's coming. And we need to learn to rise above it. We're living in a day where God's people are living in the midst of the storm instead of above the storm, and it's ruining your spiritual life. You're bitter, you're mad, you're angry. It's everybody else's fault but you. Why? If you just ride, ride above the storm, you have no idea what's going on. If the world keeps going the way it is, and it will because of sin, because the way things are, it's not going to get better. But I can ride above that. I don't have to know every detail that's going on. I could have told you two years ago what was going to happen to gas prices long before it happened. Why? It's not the first time it's happened. Old folks, you agree, you know what I'm talking about. It's not the first time it's happened, right? Hey, we're going on this big pendulum. We're over here and and we go over here, and we go over here. It's been that way all I can remember in our government. So why get caught up in it? Because over here, I wish it stayed in the middle for a little while. But it goes over there, and it goes over there. The problem is, it keeps swinging too far the wrong way. And it's like we're inching over, isn't it? That's another story from another day. Let's go on quickly here. Uh, uh, when the storms of life come upon us, we can rise above them, set our mind uh, above them. The storms, we, uh, we can overcome them and uh, stay above them. Not only will uh, we be affected if we don't realize what's happening, uh, we're going to stop growing spiritually. Three men in the Bible I greatly admire in the Old Testament. One is Job. I greatly admire Job. Man, what a story about Job. And I won't go into the details tonight for time's sake. I got 10 minutes and we're out of here. And, uh, but, but Job, I love Job. And I love Joseph. Man, a guy accused of everything in the world. He did nothing wrong but love the Lord. And he walked in the presence of the Lord, by the way. And then David, of course, uh, in his life and how sin kind of messed him up a little bit. But what a man that loved God. And we can do that also. Number four, and lastly is this, and, and we'll be out of here, I promise you. Number four, an eagle knows of its approaching death. An eagle knows when death is ready to come upon it. 
When the eagle knows this, it will leave the nest, it will fly off to a rock, and it will fasten its talons in the edge of the rock, and it will look straight into the setting sun because he knows he's dying, and he gets prepared to die. Ooh, what a great thought tonight. Dear Christian, tonight do you know if Christ tarries, we're all going to die. Are you ready? Are your talons hooked into the rock? The rock, Jesus Christ. And that when that death begins to knock at your door, you'll be staring off at the sun. And you'll go as God intended you to go. I understand tonight some, some of our dear friends and family, they die painful deaths. I understand that. Some die some tragic deaths. We just don't understand. But all of us should be looking for death because it is coming. It's coming. The righteous perish, and no man layeth it to heart. When the merciful men are taken away, none consider that the righteous are, is taken away from the evil to come. When the righteous perish, we are all one day if Christ tarry, going to face death, are we ready for it? Are we ready for it? The stories we've heard around here just lately, people who have died waiting to go. Pastor's mom, why am I still here? Just a couple weeks ago, my aunt, one of my aunts passed away. She was the oldest of my dad's sisters. Never married. She lived with my pap-pap and grandma her whole life, or they lived with her, I guess I should say. She took care of them. She was 84 years of age, and we didn't know the story, but she had fallen back around Christmas time and, and uh, never really recovered from that, been sick. I didn't even know she was in a, 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 a nursing home trying to recover. I, I, they didn't tell us. We, you know, we're not there. We're not close. We're not the immediate family, but we didn't know. But I remember I watched a service online, my uncle gave the message, and he talked about how my Aunt Mary Lou was ready to die. And she was longing to die. And she was ready to go. And my uncle tells a story how, I can't help you through this one. You have to do, make this trip yourself. But he said, are you ready? She said, oh, yeah, I've been a child of God for a long time, which we knew, we, we knew that. And she walked through that door of death. She was ready to die. Tonight, I ask you, dear friend, are you ready? If Christ tarry, we're all going to be there. We're all going to be there. And to me, as I said in class this morning, death is not a defeat. Death is victory. As pastor said this morning, I'm not ready to go today. In fact, vacation starts in a few moments here. I don't want to go this week. I'm going to go see Dolly. The horse but uh, but are you ready because I think the greatest battle any of us will ever face is the death the battle of death and I know this a surety with the Word of God that we all already have victory over that battle we've already won the war and we should be ready thank you Lord for the word this evening thank you for the Word of God just some thoughts of my heart the last few weeks, Lord, of how I felt about 
what I see happening to me. I may be totally wrong about some things I talked about and mentioned, but Lord, that's fine. But Lord, am I realizing the victory that I have because of you being my Father and Jesus Christ being my Savior? God, give us all that a blessed assurance that the final battle is the Lord's. And the final battle we've already won. Go heads bowed this evening just for a few moments. I'm not going to belabor the point. But dear friend, you know, more so than we love each other and we care for each other, God cares for you. And God knows the moment, he knows the hour that that death is going to knock at your door. And I know from who's here tonight that you're ready. But we all live with some doubt. But may we be as the eagle, may we soar above the storm. And when death comes, may we grab our claws into the wall and look into the sun as the sun rises or calls us home. I like to see it. The Son of God calls us home. Thank you for listening today. If you'd like to know more about Central Baptist Church, events, and ministries, please visit our webpage at cbckannapolis.com.